Hey everybody, welcome to the Active Churches Podcast. We hope you are inspired by today's message from one of our teaching pastors here at Active Churches. We are online and we are also in person, so we'd love to have you gather with us 9 a.m. and 1045 here at our Yukaipa location or online on YouTube or Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into our message. Hey, have you ever noticed how you're becoming more like your parents? I I noticed that as I get older, and at first it scared me, and then I thought about my parents and how great they are, and I thought, it's not that big of a deal. My dad, when I was younger, whenever we would go somewhere, he would people watch. And I remember thinking as a kid how boring that is. Now, as a dad and as a husband, and whenever we go anywhere, I find myself, whether we're walking or we're sitting, I find myself people watching. And so, Dad, I'm sorry for making fun of you, but I'm becoming more like my dad. And what I've noticed in my people watching is how people introduce themselves to one another. There's a formula that they follow. It goes something like this. Hi, my name's Mike. What's your name? And then the person responds with their name. And then the immediate question that's asked is this. What do you do? And then they begin to talk about what they do what they accomplish, what their behavior is, what their work is. And I have a theory, and I'm not a biologist or a psychologist, I'm I'm just a pastor, and so my theory could be wrong, but I have a theory as to why. And I think the reason why we introduce ourselves and then immediately talk about what we do, it's because we find our value in the things that we do. We determine how valuable we are in the things that we do. Now, I think that there are valuable things that we do. Like if you're in a long-term relationship, dating or married, and it's healthy and it's holy, that's something you should flex on. That's valuable. That's something that you do. Or maybe you have a friendship with someone who is well-known and famous, and you've built a really great intimate friendship with them. That's something that you might want to brag on, right? Because it's something that you've done. You've built a friendship with a famous person, and it's kind of nice to go, hey, I, I know them. Or maybe when it comes to work, maybe you're climbing the corporate ladder, or you've accomplished the next level of work at your business. You got that position. You are now the CEO, whatever it might be. That's something to be excited about. It's something that you do. I think we find value in what we do. And I think we find our value in what we do. We determine how valuable and significant we are in the actions that we take, in the things that we accomplish, in the results of our life. And listen, your work, your friendship, your relationship, they are valuable. But the thing I think that we really need to talk about today is that your value is determined not in what you do, but in what has been done for you. Like the things that you do, they're valuable, all right? But it's it's because you're valuable, because of what's been done for you. The things that you do, it's where you express your value. But the thing that I think we need to talk about is what has been done for you, that your actions aren't what make you valuable but the actions of someone has made you valuable. And in a world, in a season where COVID is prominent, 
where our doing has been limited, I really think it's important for us to talk about our being and what has actually been done for us, where our value actually comes from. See, at Active, we are convinced that purpose, that value, that significance, it all comes from God. And we discover this through the person and work of Jesus. It's why we do what we do. We exist to help people meet Jesus and learn to follow Jesus. And whether you believe in Jesus or not, whether this is your first time or you've been with us a long time, I think the thing that we all can agree on is this. What Jesus taught us about us changes us. What Jesus taught us about us, man, it changes us. And there's this moment in the life of Jesus that I love, and I want to share it with you today. It's one of the greatest moments, if not the greatest moment in the life of Jesus, because it communicates something really powerful about Jesus and about us. It's a moment where Jesus didn't say a word. Now, he was a great orator. He was a great teacher. He could communicate great things, but it's a moment where he didn't actually say a word, but a word was spoken over him. And it's in this moment that an announcement was made from our Father in heaven, God the Father in heaven. And I want to share it with you. In fact, I want to invite you to respond to this word, to live out this word, and to announce this word to the world around you. Now, I want to spend some time in a letter that Matthew writes in the New Testament of the scriptures of the Bible. So if you have a Bible with you or the Bible app near you, would you turn to Matthew chapter 3? And if you're watching this, whether you're online or you're in the room, it's going to be on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 3. And as you're watching this and as you're turning there, let me set the scene for you. This letter was written by Matthew. And Matthew was an early follower of Jesus. And he was a tax collector. It's what he did. But his life was changed by Jesus. And that was remarkable because tax collectors were the worst of the worst in the time of Jesus. Doesn't it seem like every generation finds a group of people and calls them the worst of the worst? Well, Matthew was in that category in this time. But he decided to follow Jesus. He decided to listen to the call of Jesus. And because of that, his life changed. And he wrote about Jesus. And there's this moment early in his letter where he writes about John, the cousin of Jesus. Now, there's a couple of Johns in the scriptures, so let's not get confused here. This John that we're talking about is different than the John that actually wrote the letter of John in the Bible, who followed Jesus for three years, was the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how he describes himself in the scriptures. This John is different. He's the cousin of Jesus. And his mom was Elizabeth, who was related to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And there's this moment where Mary finds out that she is going to be pregnant and give birth to the Son of God. And so she runs to tell Elizabeth. It's actually the first person that she told. And it was Luke who also wrote the story of Jesus. It was Luke that said when Elizabeth heard the news from Mary that she was going to give birth to the Son of God, the baby in her womb leaped. The baby in her womb was John, who was going to be the cousin of Jesus. And he was born with a great purpose. He was born to make straight the way for the Lord. Now, John actually had a nickname, and his nickname was tied to what he did. He was called John the Baptizer, because that's 
literally what he did. He would stand on the sea, by the Sea of Galilee, and people would come and get baptized by him. And he was a pretty interesting cat. He had, he had clothing that was like made of, of camel hair, and he would eat locusts and honey. Like, super strange guy. Somebody you would want to see. If you've ever been to, like, Huntington Beach or Santa Monica Pier and you've seen some of the interesting people there, John would have fit right in with that group of people. But he was John the Baptizer because this is what he did. And people from everywhere would come to see John to get baptized as an announcement of something significant. And we'll talk about that in in just a minute. But it's in this moment that we actually pick up the story. John is baptizing people and he looks and he sees his cousin Jesus. And he stops and he pauses and he yells out, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that was a really powerful statement because in that time, forgiveness of sin was found when you would go to the temple to make a sacrifice. And typically the sacrifice would be an animal sacrifice of a lamb. And in order to get forgiveness, you had to do this because sin leads to death and something would need to die in order for you to live. And so John sees Jesus and he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It was John's announcement that Jesus has come for something extraordinary and that forgiveness of sin was coming and that he was going to give of his life. And it It was missed on all the people that were there, but John knew who Jesus was. And then, that's where we pick up this moment. In Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13, Matthew tells us that Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, but you come to me? Like John is confused by this moment because he knows who Jesus is. He's known since he was a baby. Remember, he leaped in the womb. He knew why Jesus had come. Jesus even said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. John understood that he is to prepare the way of the Messiah. But John also knew that he needed Jesus. There's this moment later on in his life when people come to John and they say, hey, did you know that more people are following Jesus than you? It's similar to the conversations we have today. Hey, there's more people following this person on Twitter or on Instagram or on TikTok than you. Are you jealous of that? And John's response was great. John says, no, I'm not jealous. I'm not frustrated. In fact, that's how it's supposed to work. Like he must increase and I must decrease. John understood that he needed Jesus, that he needed a savior, he needed a Messiah. And so he tries to like stop Jesus from this moment instead of him baptizing Jesus. He's like, no, you should baptize me. And Jesus responds with these words, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. That's a big phrase, so let me explain. First, baptism in this culture was as powerful as it is in our culture. In fact, it was so prominent in this culture and a regular part of their rhythm that the Jewish people actually had what was called a mikvah bath. And a mikvah bath was like an above ground pool or an above ground spa. Some of us have those in our backyards today. And people would use these pools and they would be strategically placed all around Jerusalem. They would use these pools as a way of announcing their surrender to the way of God. 
whenever they would go on a journey, whenever they were doing business, whenever they were getting ready to start a family, they would go to the mikvah pool and they would get baptized. And they would do it fully clothed with all of their clothes on. And it was a moment of action and of word. They would step into the water and then they would pray these words, God be in my head and in my understanding, God be in my eyes and in my looking, God be in my mouth and in my speaking, God be in my heart and in my thinking, God be at my arriving and at my departing. One Jewish theologian said that they would pray these words as their feet. They would pray about arriving and departing as their feet got wet. And then they would pray about their heart as, their, as the water came up to their heart. And then they would even pray about their mind as the water would cover over their head. Then they would get out of the mikvah pool and they would leave soaking wet, but fully surrendered. And them being soaking wet was an announcement that they have fully surrendered to the way of the kingdom of God. And that's why this moment in the life of Jesus is so important. It's why he says we must do this to fulfill all righteousness. This moment of baptism is Jesus announcing that he is fully surrendered to the work of the kingdom of God. It's why he came. His coming and his going, his living and his dying, his resurrecting was all surrendered to his Father in heaven, to the way of the kingdom of God. And it sets the pace, it sets the standard for you and for me. Jesus didn't come to ask us to do something that he was unwilling to do. He actually did it himself. It's why one writer calls him the head of the church. Like he is the one that, that leads us. He is the example. And that whatever he invites us into, he has done first himself. It's why he's a, it's why he's a good leader. It's why he's a good God. But then something else remarkable happens in this, this moment. Our Heavenly Father announces something over Jesus that has significance for you and me. The writer tells us, Matthew tells us, that as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven opened up. And he saw the Spirit of God descending on Jesus like a dove and landing on him. And then a voice from heaven said this, This is my Son, whom I love, and with whom I am well pleased. Remember we talked about how we find our value in what we do, that we think that we're valuable based upon the results of our life, the things that we've accomplished. I got a quick Bible quiz for you. And even if you're new to the Bible, I want you to play along. Quick Bible quiz. All right. Jesus gets baptized. And then God, the father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, who I love. All right. Keep that in mind. Here's the Bible quiz. Can you name one thing that Jesus accomplished before this moment? Can you name one thing that Jesus did that was remarkable before this moment? The answer is, no, you can't. Because Jesus hasn't done anything yet. There were no miracles, no teachings, no healings, no forgiveness. There was nothing and that's why this moment is significant, because our Heavenly Father says about Jesus, this is my son whom I love. I love him. And my love isn't tied to the outcomes of his life. His value isn't found in what he does. His value is found in what our Heavenly Father, God the Father, says about God the Son. And the reason why that's so powerful is because God is the one who defines and shapes 
love. He created love. And he is love. And in this moment, he's not saying, because Jesus did all of these things, I love him. He's saying, he's my son, and that's why I love him. But it's also a moment where Jesus is announcing that he knows his value is found in what his heavenly father says about him. Not in the things that he does, not in the behavior that he participates in. His value isn't found there, it's expressed there, but his value starts in what God has said about him. The first followers of Jesus were were so stirred up about this that they wrote about it because they wanted you and I to know about this. One of the writers, his name was Paul, in talking about what Jesus has accomplished for you and for me is powerful because when Jesus gets baptized, he comes up out of the water and then fully surrendered, he lives a life fully surrendered to the kingdom of God and invites you and I into it. Here's how Paul describes it. He says these words, while you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like when it was messy, God stepped into the mess by sending Jesus. I have a friend who's a mom and she's the mom of young kids. And just this last week, we were chatting at Active and she told me that in the morning she, got, she gets up and she has a moment where she prays and she reads God's word and she drinks her coffee and it's early and usually the kids are sleeping. And she said there was one morning last week when she got up and she was going through her morning routine and then she heard a noise and it was the noise of a bucket being picked up and dumped out. It was a bucket of Legos. And she said, I heard a waterfall of chaos happening in my child's room. And she said, I knew it was messy. And so what I decided to do is stay in my chair. I wasn't going to walk into the mess because I didn't want to have to deal with it. And if you're a parent, I'm sure you can relate. If you're a grandparent or even if you're somebody that takes care of nieces and nephews and cousins, takes care of kids, you know what I'm talking about. She didn't want to enter the mess. But what this writer is telling us, what Paul is telling us is that God entered our mess at just the right time while we were still sinners, while we were still trying to find our value in what we do. And because of this, it changes how we see ourselves and how we see God because God responds to us in our mess with great love. Paul continues and he writes these words, for I am convinced that neither life or death, angels or demons, present or future, or any powers or anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Like in other words, like nothing will stop God when it has to do with you. Nothing will stop the work of God and the love of God and the power of God and the purposes of God and the will of God when it has to do with you. Like, God is relentless in his pursuit of you. One theologian calls God the hound of heaven. If you have a dog at home, when you come home from work and he or she jumps on you and loves you and dances around and is excited to see you, this is the the picture that this theologian gives us of God, that he is relentless in his pursuit of you. And that's what Paul is writing here. And because of that, that changes how we live, that we surrender to this God. He said it this way, count yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Don't offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Now, I don't want you to miss what he's saying here. So could I just summarize it for you? He's saying three things, that you are loved, period. 
that you have value and your value isn't found in what you do. It's expressed there, but it doesn't begin there. Your value is found in what has been done for you. And then you are invited to step into the kingdom of God and share that with those who are not in the kingdom of God yet. This is what this writer is talking about. And by the way, you and I have done nothing to earn this. The love of God, the value of God, and the purposes of God, we've done nothing to earn this. All we're doing is surrendering to this so that we can discover this. And I've been a Christian since I was eight years old, born and raised in a Christian home. And maybe some of you watching or listening, whether you're in the room or you're online, maybe you've been in the same world I've been in. You have the same story that I have. You've been a Christian for a while. Here's the thing that happens when you follow Jesus for a while. And Christians, I'm sure you've experienced this. You begin to think that some of the things that you have received are things that you've earned from God. But the thing that I need to remind you of, that I need to be reminded of, is that I haven't earned a thing. His love, his purpose, his value are all gifts from God. I don't earn that. I respond to those gifts. That's why in what I do, my value is expressed. It's not starting there. It doesn't begin there. My value starts in what God has done for me, what God has said about me, what God has accomplished for me. In other words, you and I are not in control we're not in control of how loved we are, or how valuable we are. God is in control of that. And I know for those of you that love control like me, you're OCD like me, that's a hard reality to hang on to. That's a hard reality to get. But listen, when you decide to surrender to the way of the kingdom of God, to the way of the king, his name is Jesus, then you're surrendering the outcomes of your life and the control of your life to the giver of life. And this is so important because we are people who love outcomes and we are people who love to control outcomes, right? We love to control our outcomes because we define ourselves by those outcomes, by those results. But what do you do when you love somebody and they respond with hate every single time? You know what you do? You start to question your value because we often will define ourselves by what we do. What do you do when you serve someone and they respond with selfishness? You know what we do? We, do? we question our value. Or what do you do when you give to someone and they continue to take? You know what we do? We question our value. That's why this moment is so significant, not just for Jesus and for those that were with Jesus, but for you and for me today, thousands of years later, the baptism of Jesus is God's announcement about where value comes from and who controls the outcome of our lives. Jesus had done nothing but was completely loved in this moment. Jesus had accomplished nothing but was announced as valuable. And my friend, the same is true about you. This moment isn't just for Jesus. This moment is for you and for me. Because no matter what you do or you don't do, you are completely loved. And no matter what you accomplish or don't accomplish, you are valuable to God. Friends, this is why I believe that the best way to live your life is to live life with Jesus. In fact, I'll even go as far as to say it's the only way to live. And even if you don't believe that this is true, you're struggling with that. Come on, don't you want this to be true? Because the world around us doesn't live this way. When you and I find ourselves doing something that would be inappropriate or in violation of other people, you know what happens in the world around us? We get 
canceled, we get pushed to the edge, we get dismissed, we get isolated. But in the, the kingdom of God and the way of the kingdom of God, you are loved, you are valuable, forgiveness is offered, it doesn't dismiss what you've done. Repentance actually is something you can step into. And the king in the kingdom of God, his name is Jesus, actually created all of this and accomplished all of this and gifted all of this to you. That's why I believe you should follow Jesus. Because even if you don't believe in Jesus, this is so remarkable and so different than the world that we live in. If there was one thing I would want you to get from this conversation today, it's this, that you are loved and valued because God said so. If you're a parent, grandparent, you're a teacher, you ever use that phrase to get your students or your kids to do something? Hey, clean your room, clean up your desk, because I said so, right? Usually it's a demand or a command. In this moment, God is saying, you are loved and valued because I said so, and I have done so, period. My, my friend's dad is a pastor in the South. He's been a pastor for years, and he wants his church to get this to understand this, that they are loved and they are valued and that they discover that through their surrender to Jesus. So my friend told me recently that this dad, this, this is his dad, this pastor of this church, would always start every message with a call and response with his congregation. He would have them fill in a blank. So he would give them the first part of a sentence and then he would ask them to fill in the blank of the second part of the sentence. And so he'll start every message off with these words. He'll go, church, fill in the blank. I love God because. And then on the screen would come these words that they were to fill in the blank with. And the words were, because he first loved me. And then he would say, hey, church, fill in the blank. I love God, therefore. And the words that would come up on the screen were these words. I will surrender my way to his way. Could we do that? Whether you're watching, or you're listening, whether you're in the room or you're online, could we do that together? Like if I said, hey church, fill in the blank. I love God because. And you would say, he first loved me. Hey church, fill in the blank. I love God, therefore. And you would say, I will surrender my way to his way. It sounds a lot like the mikvah baptism, doesn't it? Where they would pray, God be in my head and in my understanding, in my eyes and in my looking, in my mouth and in my speaking, in my heart and in my thinking, at my arriving and at my going, God, would you be in all of that? Because they wanted to surrender to the way of the kingdom of God, because in that surrender, you know what they would discover? That they are completely loved and that their value comes from God. That's why Jesus was baptized. And that's why these first followers of Jesus were baptized. And that's why I would invite you to get baptized today. You can discover how loved you are. You can discover where your value comes from, not in what you do, but in what has been done for you. And it all happens when you surrender the outcomes of your life. Now I know, 
that for those of you that are watching this or listening to this, you may not be local to Active Church. There are thousands of people that watch or listen online. And you might be thinking, well, how am I supposed to get baptized? I can't make it to the Active Church campus. I can't get out because I'm not healthy. Whatever might be the case. Here's the thing. We can always find reasons to not do something today, let's find a reason to actually do something. Let's find a reason to respond. And the reason you should respond and surrender is so that you know you're loved and you know your value. Let's get baptized today. When we were completely in a shelter in place moment last year, 10 people were baptized at Active Church in their bathtub, in their spa, in their pool, and that was a holy moment because God was there. Like, there's nothing special about the water here or the baptism here at the Active Church campus. I want you to know that the decision to be baptized is what's holy because of what God has accomplished for you through Jesus. And so I want to invite you to get baptized today. And here's how you can. I want to invite you in the comments below that you would just put, I want to get baptized. And our team will reach out to you and We'll help you through that process. We'll FaceTime, we'll Zoom in, whatever is needed for you. If you're connected to us on social media, you can send us a direct message and say, hey, I wanna get baptized. And we'll make it happen today. And if you are so courageous and you wanna drive to our active church, Ukaipa location, and you're watching this or listening to this on Sunday, then come to our Yukaipa location. We're baptizing after both of our services and we will make room for you and we will keep you safe and we will keep you healthy. This is how important this decision is. It's you surrendering to the reality of what God has said about you and accomplished for you. You are loved, you are valuable. So choose to live and surrender and get baptized today. Let us know. I want to get baptized in the comments or send us a direct message or drive to our Yukaipa location. I would love to celebrate that with you. No more excuses, friends. Today's your day. Let's get baptized today. Can I pray for you? So God, these words are words that are powerful and life-changing, that we are loved and that we have value. And I pray that today, those watching, those listening, would not allow the distance or being online or listening to the podcast get in the way of them choosing to get baptized, but that they would tell a better story and get baptized today and invite us into that moment. I pray that they would discover how much they are loved and how valuable that they really are to you through their surrender to you. And I pray that they would take that step today. Be courageous today because you, you have opened up the invitation for us to step into the kingdom of God and tell a better story because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and through the resurrection. We are loved and we have great value. And may we discover that through our surrender today because of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray all of these things. And together we say amen and amen and amen.
Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you were inspired. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. Hey, I wanna ask you to do two things. First thing, hit that subscribe button to stay connected to the Active Churches podcast. The second thing I wanna invite you to do is go onto your social media accounts, Instagram and Facebook, and go to Active Churches. Stay connected to the community because together we can tell a better story.